or human error, rest assured that it is always the latter. Did Russia's leaders in 2000 know where 15 years of rule would lead? No. Did they know in 2014 what 2015 had in store? Again, no. When I wrote leaders in the plural, it was no slip of the keyboard. It is widely assumed that decisions in Russia are made by one man and one man alone, Vladimir Putin. This is only partly true. All decisions are indeed made by Putin, but Putin is not one person. He, or it, is a huge collective mind. Tens, perhaps hundreds of people every day try to divine what decisions Vladimir Putin needs to make. Vladimir Putin himself spends his time divining what decisions he needs to make to stay popular, to be understood and approved by the vast entity that is the collective Vladimir Putin. Over the years, this collective Vladimir Putin has structured its memory so as to prove itself right in all instances, to convince itself that its actions are logical and underpinned by a strategic plan. It did not and cannot make mistakes. Everything done or not done was the necessary consequence of the punishing and incessant war being waged against implacable enemies. My book is the story of this imaginary war. It is a war without end, for its end would be an admission that it was never real in the first place. Part 1 Putin the First, the Lionheart. Chapter 1, in which Kremlin strategist Alexander Volushin learns to tolerate Lenin. Alexander Volushin looks like a model capitalist. With his gray beard and cold, piercing eyes, there is a dash of Uncle Sam in his appearance, as depicted in Soviet cartoons. All that's missing is the Stars and Stripes hat the sack of dollars over the shoulder, and the bomb in one hand behind the back. Volushin's office is located in the center of Moscow, near the Polyanka metro station, a ten-minute walk from the Kremlin. The inside is austere, almost monastic. It has everything one needs and nothing else. No luxury. The secret ruler of the world does not need it. Volushin is no orator. He speaks in hushed tones with a slight stutter when angry, yet he loves to pepper his Russian speech with English and other borrowings, mainly from the world of business. The situation in Ukraine is not very... He starts in his native tongue, ending with the word manageable in English. One must always have in mind an agenda. What we have is total deadlock. The most important opinions belong to the key stakeholders. It is not intentional. He just finds it easier that way. He is, after all, more businessman than politician. Volushin believes that he has fulfilled his primary mission, to transfer Russia from a state of permanent revolution to a state of evolution. In other words, before he resigned from the government in October 2003, he succeeded in bringing political stability and capitalism to Russia. He says he has no regrets about his present inability to influence politics. 
On the topic of politics, he prefers to speak in purely business terms. The United States built the best economy in the world through competition. But it somehow forgot that world politics also needs competition. That's why its foreign policy is a failure. Despite subjecting America to the occasional tongue lashing, he does so lovingly, with unexpected details. And then I bumped into Jeb Bush. And then I spotted my old acquaintance Condoleezza Rice, but decided not to say hi. Mention Ukraine, however, and he flies into a fury. The English words at the end of his sentences are replaced by Russian expletives. For him, everything the Ukrainian government does is a crime. What if the Canadians treated French speakers in Quebec in that way, as Ukraine does Russian speakers?